We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to another edition of the Barcelona Podcast, bringing the hottest breaking stories from the Camp No. I'm Dan Hilton, joined alongside Frances Tomas across the ocean, as always, and we please implore you to subscribe to the show at iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, or just head to our website, thebarcelonapodcast.com. It's really easy, thebarcelonapodcast.com, and you get all the different options for wherever you'd like to listen to the show, but wherever you do, please subscribe, give us five stars, and a nice little compliment as well. We'd love to hear from you, but Frances, let's hear from each other a little bit. What are we talking about today? Well, today we're talking about the story on everyone's lips, which is Coutinho. And la gran pregunta is going to be whether Barca should actually spend 150 million euros, which is the reported price that Coutinho is going for, depending whether you trust the Catalan sources or not, of course that is. And then we're going to be looking at Dembélé. Obviously, he is now back in the team, and we're going to be trying to analyse where he fits in all this. After that, we've got an interest, a very, very, very interesting interview with Diana Christine, who is one of the most influential voices on Barca Twitter, and she agreed to an interview that I cannot wait to share. And then after that, we've got a favorite part of the show, which is the listener questions. And thank you for everyone who sent questions in for us. The Barcelona Podcast 55 starts right here. Well, we promised that in shows past, at least during the fall, that we would try to avoid talking about Coutinho because everyone wants just wants to talk about the Brazilian playmaker. And by the time I edit the show and post the show, things might have changed. But here's where we are right now, Frances. Barcelona, over the summer, had three bids rejected, with the highest bid reportedly being €118 million. Euros. That's the official bid for the player over the summer. He is not eligible for the Champions League in the spring because he's already played in the group stage with Liverpool. So Barcelona, if they were to sign him in January, would not have him for that. At this very moment, Philippe Coutinho did not feature in Liverpool's match this past Monday against Burnley with what is reported as a thigh strain. And the Brazilian has been injured, particularly at the beginning of the season with the mysterious back injury as that transfer rumors were going on with Barcelona. But he has a creative midfielder and much like tiny creative midfielders, They are hacked to pieces on their legs, and they are often injured more so than players with larger frames, if you will. Right now, the prevailing notion is he obviously will not play in, depending on when you're listening to this, Friday's FA Cup match against rival Everton, 
And so if he does come to Barcelona, it would seem that he's not going to get a send-off match from the club. He won't have a final match. That would have already happened because it seems like his time at Liverpool is either over or this is just another thing to weed out the time. Let's throw in the Nike ad, which obviously those of you who are listening to this show now are well aware of what happened with that. The only thing that Francesca and I would add is yikes. Nike releases a ad in tons of different languages, including Catalan, Dutch, etc., about a special deal to purchase Coutinho gear by the 6th of January. It was very quickly taken down, but the damage is already done. Of course, people screenshot it on Twitter, and Jurgen Klopp had a fantastic remark to it, and a typical Jurgen Klopp response is, I couldn't be less interested in anything in the world, but somebody told me, and I thought, wow. And of course, the wow is that sarcastic, forceful German Jurgen Klopp reaction that he normally gives to things. So, Frances, before we start breaking that down, that's kind of the news of where we're at right now. And of course, this could all change. So the answer, the question that you and I are still trying to answer, though, is should Barcelona even spend the $150 million for Coutinho in January? Well, I think we need to break it down on whether Barca can spend 150 million euros for Coutinho uh, for very different perspectives. First, there is no confirmation from Liverpool or any media outlet, reliable media outlet in the UK, which obviously listeners know that I live here in London, um, about whether Liverpool actually want to sell him or not. Um, judging by the reaction of the club and there's a lot of secretism going on, no one seems to be talking about it and as you said, Klopp has been very dismissive of the whole situation. So. Actually, the first question we need to answer is whether Coutinho is actually for sale. And I would say the answer is no. Liverpool don't want to part ways with a player that has been so excellent for them over the years. Obviously, they are in the middle of a great season and they could potentially win the treble. If you you know follow Liverpool, that's what they could do. Whether they will or not is a different story. But someone of that calibre, you definitely want to have in your team. So Liverpool... Um, officials may not actually be interested in selling. Now, that is the UK version of the story. The Catalan version of the story is that Coutinho is definitely desperate to come. Um, He has been at least since the summer. Um, The Catalan media report that he's already got a deal um, agreed for five years once he, you know, his buyout clause, which obviously isn't a buyout clause, but a buyout fee is paid by Barca to Liverpool. And that obviously... Everyone in the Catalan dressing room, from Messi to Paulinho and different players such as Suarez and Iniesta, they're desperate for him to come. They've asked Bartomeu to do everything within his power in order to bring the Brazilian star to the Camp Nou. In terms of how much money is being talked about, the magical number seems to be 150 million euros, um, and that is agreed by both the Catalan and the English media and worldwide media as well. Uh, but according to sports, the Barca are only offering 130 million euros at the moment. Now, I really don't think that is going to be a sufficient offer to lure him away. Um, Liverpool don't seem to be as close to a transfer as they were in the summer, because in the summer, you know, they were point blank refusing. However, they seem to be, and again, this is people reporting on, on comments that they've done in passing behind microphones, but saying that they are resigned to losing Coutinho at this moment in time and that they're just basically playing a game to get the most money out of it. So, long story cut short, I don't have a clue whether Coutinho is going to come to the Camp Nou or not, but I really do know that it would be a great addition for Barca for many different reasons. Obviously, the team, as we know, is solid this year. Uh, Valverde has been experimenting with the 4-4-2, but 
there is a bit of a lack of creativity up front and in terms of Coutinho coming, he would be a great replacement for Iniesta. Not an immediate replacement, but someone who can learn alongside uh, the best attacking midfielder that Barca has ever had. Um, obviously not having any the possibility of playing in the Champions League for any amount of time this season would play to Coutinho's advantage in a way because he would establish himself in La Liga and that would be a great way in. But we just don't know what's going to happen. It's all speculation at this moment in time. But I think Coutinho and Barca definitely want the player to come. And Liverpool, my personal honest opinion, is that they're trying to get the most money out of a player that they would prefer to sell in the summer if they have to sell him. Yeah, and of course, for Liverpool... You look at the way Manchester City has basically run away with the Premier League this season. But for next year, Naby Keita of RB Leipzig in Germany already on his way to Liverpool to help shore up that defensive midfield spot in front of that back line and a player that fits what Liverpool's trying to do. And if they get rid of Coutinho, then you're losing something even though you're gaining something and have loftier goals. Because Liverpool, after all these years, really want to take themselves back up and win a finally again win a Premier League trophy. It's been so long for the club and they want to get that glory other than the Champions League glory that they had last decade. Now you brought up a really good point, Frances, about the Coutinho for Iniesta and moving into that. And that brings up the question to me of, of do they need him in January? Or will they need him over the summer? And more and more of what we see of Iniesta tells you that they're going to need him for that transition as Iniesta next season is pushed even farther to the margins of the club and, and not because of his quality, just because of his age and what he can physically do on the field. So I'm looking just in January what Barcelona need. And so thinking back to last summer, at the beginning of the year, the goal was Marco Verratti. We talked about him in the first few shows of the Barcelona podcast when we were still in our infancy, and that was all before the Neymar mess. And then the, the midfielder that Barcelona was lacking being Verratti, that was what Barcelona absolutely needed to get the squad straight. And yet now the midfielder is Coutinho, who's an entirely different player of very similar world-class quality, but now he's the one that Barcelona are desperate to get into the squad. So my thinking from an Ernesto Valverde perspective, for him to play the style and the way he wants, he needs players that will suit that. And that said, of course, Verratti and Coutinho's quality would fit into any starting lineup in the world. But I think it does beg the question of what is missing to improve the the Blagrana moving forward. And the way that Valverde plays, I, I think you could almost argue that that Xavi role, obviously you cannot fill in a, the role that Xavi played like for like because obviously he's one of the best midfielders ever to play. But with Iniesta aging at the pace he is, the need for the club has slowly become, over the course of at least this season, that a really creative midfielder is going to be essential to the club's success even as soon as next year with guys like Elena not ready and no other players, either Sergio Roberto, Rafinha, whoever it may be in the midfield, fit that role of replacing Iniesta. And the one guy that I've mentioned in the past is Denis Suarez, just doesn't seem to be able to reach those heights. And of course, again, you're trying to compare players with Iniesta or Xavi, but to replace even one of them, you're going to need a world-class name, and that is indeed Philippe Coutinho. And the, what, the last thing I'll say about the money that you also brought up, Frances, Barcelona have to look at their spending, and kool you can't throw Antoine Griezmann and try to throw all these numbers and say, oh, is worth this much, Andre Gomez will be sold for this much, because... The club over the summer wasn't able to sell any of those six names that you wanted to get rid of other than Neymar, who the club wasn't expecting to lose. And so with 
a large amount of money not being able to come in, you're going to use the rest of the Neymar money on Coutinho. And then what other money in moving forward is the club going to use? They don't have the oral money of PSG or Manchester City. So to get those world-class 100 million euro players, they have the naming rights for the stadium. That's going to be some money that'll be either funneled back into transfers or more likely funneled right back into the renovation project. So you can't count on that money either. So then with the exception of the optimism of selling off a few players, maybe two or three players, I can't, it's very unrealistic to think that you're going to have a large influx of money when the only off-season deals really that were made was Christian Teo for $4 million to Real Batiste, and Sergi Samper was sent on another terrible loan to Las Palmas, along with Marlon, Munir, and Douglas, all leaving the club on loan as well. So my thing is, Frances, if the board could get it done, where does it put the club then even moving forward? Absolutely. I, I agree in most of the points you made. I mean, I think moving forward, you need to think about... We got 222 million euros in the summer for Neymar, and out of those, we spent 100, and depending how you look at the variables, but let's say 130 million for Dembele. Now that gives you a plus 80 million. So if you're going to pay 150 for Coutinho, then you're actually just paying 70 for the player. Um, if you talk about it like that, we lost Neymar, and we play, we pay 70 million for both Dembele and Coutinho. Now, when Barca were chasing Berratti in the summer, we didn't really think or believe or wanted to know that Neymar was actually on his way out. So I think that's why the focus has shifted to a more creative, sort of attack-minded player. Um, in terms of um, wage bill, absolutely. Barca right now spend 80% of their income on paying players' wages, and that's just simply unsustainable. Getting rid of Arda Turan is absolutely essential, and we spoke about it in, a, I think it was two episodes ago. Um, I really recommend our listeners go back and listen to those as well if they haven't. And we talked about that. The wage bill is just unsustainable. You've got players such as, and you know, Alcácer has been good, but his wage is quite high as well. You've got De Lufeo, you've got Rafinha, you've got all sorts of players, Andre Gomez, that, you know, if you could offload five, six players at this moment in time, you're definitely looking at bringing Coutinho now, if possible, and then you could even bring Griezmann in the summer, and then you've got a, a, a squad with a very competent, pragmatic leader in Valverde who will be able to challenge for pretty much every single title. Um, going back to the original question, should Barca sign Coutinho for 150 million? My answer is not really, but I don't think Liverpool would sell. And if it's a matter of getting Coutinho for 150 rather than 120 or 130, or getting someone else such as, say, Ozil or even Arthur that has been thrown around, I think you need to you need to meet Liverpool's demand of 150 million if that is what is demanding, which, as we said at the very start, is not even clear. And so, for me to answer the question, should Barcelona spend 150 million on Coutinho in January? The answer is no. I think over the summer it needs to be again revisited, and maybe that price comes down a little bit. Probably not, but I think that's when the deal needs to be done because right now I don't think the team needs him in the way that you ask about youth that Elena or El Busquets. You have Arneith, guys like that that could be playing a little bit of a role or more so of a role, even though Barcelona B need them. Maybe Barcelona B are the team that need a few signings to strengthen that squad, and then Elena can get a few more spots on the bench and substitute appearances for the first team. And then next year, when Coutinho's Champions League eligible, you can make that move. Because really, Barcelona's getting, and this is a good transition into another guy that we have to talk about that's already on the team, they're basically getting a signing in the form of Usmani Dembele, who has been given the medical green light. He played against Espanyol and Juventus earlier in the season before his injury. He was expected to be out from four to six months. 
It's only three and a half, so good sign on that. And you'd expect him to feature off the bench for at least a few matches before potentially moving Paulinho back to the bench, I'd say, or allowing Valverde to rotate Iniesta, Rakitic, Busquets a little bit more than the midfield's been rotated so far this year. So is Usmani Dembele, it's an exciting thing because we really, you saw him for a few minutes, but you now get to fully see what it's going to be like when he starts to build that chemistry with Messi and Suarez up top. Definitely, getting Dembele back is a blessing. Um, and as you're saying, he's like having a new sign-in that we haven't really paid for anything um, in, in January or in the summer because we paid well over the odds, um, I would say. But then again, needs must, as, as people in the UK here say. Um, Dembele would be a great addition in terms of his speed, his sharpness, his dynamism. Obviously, I think we need to steer away from comparisons to players like Neymar because the guy is just 20 years old. Um, fair enough, Borussia Dortmund are a great big club in terms of European and definitely German football, but playing at four Barca is a completely different level. Um, I would have thought that playing next to Messi and Suarez would help him, but I think we need to be cautious in terms of expectations. And as Valverde said in his press conference ahead of the Copa del Rey match against Celta, it's all about introducing him into the team bit by bit. Now, the most important part here is that Barca are no longer desperate for a reinforcement, which is what we said with the Coutinho deal earlier. Um, Barca are unbeaten, leading pretty much every competition with a comfortable lead, and there's nothing like a saviour that is needed right now. And I think that that's really going to help Dembélé in getting adapted to the team. I would fully expect him to play between 20 and 25 minutes in Celta, in, in Vigo against Celta. And then over the weekend, the game against Levante, I think he should play another 30 to 35 minutes in the second half and then take it from there. Um, my only worry is that we got a repeat of what happened at the beginning of the season, which is Dembele trying too hard too early. I think he needs to be conscious about his body. Obviously, going back from injury many times myself, um, I didn't play at professional level, but I have played football for over 25 years. Um, and I got injured quite a bit, particularly thigh injuries, which is... You know, sounds familiar to Dembele and with his muscle problems. I think it's all about knowing your body, knowing what you can and cannot do. Uh, he's got the medical green light, so there is no reason to doubt that he is fully ready. But let's face it, training, uh, even if you train alongside Messi, Suarez, etc., is very different to playing a game. Competitive football um, has extra demands. Obviously, the adrenaline rush, the pressure that comes from playing in front of a stadium, is not something you can compare to a training session. And I really think that Dembélé should be careful, but um, go slowly but surely into making an impact in the team. Yeah, I think for the way that he plays and the style he plays with, he's been working with the team and understands that we've seen this season them succeed because unlike in years past, I think when players will pick their heads up near the penalty box, they force the ball into Messi and there's just too much reliance on Messi offensively. And then you saw in that El Clasico, just to go back again to some of those tactics, that particularly on that first goal with that long run by Rakitic, the fact that Rakitic never forced the ball into Messi, same thing with Roberto when the ball was knocked out wide, instead of waiting for Messi's run back inside the box, Roberto one-timed it to Suarez. It was a difficult pass and a, a beautiful pass as well, and that's what created the goal because Real Madrid had to collapse on Messi as he was making his run. So if Barcelona can flourish without being super reliant and always looking to him as the first look being Messi. And Usmani Dembele is a player that does that, where he'll he's a guy that 
Yes, he can get to the touchline as a traditional winger, but he likes to cut inside. And so to have that ability to bring in defenders and make defenders slide over to him and just relieve some of that pressure, that's the only job he's going to have. It's not going to be to score goals. It's not going to be to get those assists, but all he has to do is create some havoc in that box and use his speed, use his skill to take some of the pressure off of a Luis Suarez and a Messi because you see what happens when Messi can go one-on-one, obviously and the rare chances he gets. And for Luis Suarez, you can see what happens when all he has to worry about is getting on the end of a ball and one-timing it into the back of the net. His confidence is now soaring, and those two in the form that they're in, and especially the age and experience they have as well, can help mentor Dembele. And to answer the question that I think you and I have been getting a a bit on social media, outside of our listener questions, is where Dembele is going to fit into the team. And the answer to that one, unfortunately, is not a simple question. It's more nuanced in regard to the way Valverde views his squad and the way he rotates them. And it's all going to be dependent on the team that they're playing and the opponent and and the situation. Because Valverde, in El Clasico, even if Dembele was healthy, I think he goes with the same starting midfield that he did with Paulinho, Rakitic, Iniesta, and Busquets as in four central midfielders. I think he does the same thing again because of the the style that they wanted to play against Real Madrid. And then you have a, a game against Celta that's going to be a little more wide open. And while Dembele won't start because of he's not at full fitness, let's say down the road you play a team like Celta de Vigo that's a little more high-flying, if you will. And that's a game that you could expect is going to go a little more up and down. Of course, Dembele fits in to start in that kind of competition, in that kind of match. And even against Chelsea, in, a few, in, in now about a month's time, Dembele could be a candidate to start in that one because that's what Chelsea have had trouble with. They've had trouble with some of those wingers in the Premier League that get in behind. And while Chelsea's defense is always so lambasting against smaller opposition, particularly on the wings, Dembele is the kind of guy that could be the difference maker in a match like that. Absolutely. I think also the point we need to consider is that Dembele is the most expensive player that Barca has ever bought. So therefore, he's going to start. Um, I think the interesting question is where is he going to start? Now, in terms of formation, as you hinted when you were talking right now, Valverde started with a 4-3-3, but then he shifted a 4-4-2 that shifts into a different formation in attack, particularly with Jordi Alba coming from the left. So um, if Dembélé was to start, say, as a left winger, then that may stop the asymmetrical system that Valverde is trying to run with Jordi Alba doing the dips from, from deep. Now, if he started as a right winger, I think that would make more sense in my eyes. But then again, that could stop the progression of Sergi Roberto and Semedo when, when Semedo does have the chance to play. Um, so then, you don't really know where he fits there. Then if he was going to feel a 4-4-2, then maybe he chooses to have uh, Dembele as a left midfielder or a right midfielder. And in that case, the question that we need to ask ourselves is whether... Dembélé would be prepared to have some defensive duties with him. Now, Neymar didn't have any of those, but then again, the hierarchy in terms of personality within the dressing room may it is certainly different from the Brazilian star, so it may force him, in a way, to have a little bit of Pedro in his game, which is something that we, he didn't necessarily need to do in Dortmund, uh, but he may be forced to do here. So I would say Valverde has a really difficult conundrum here because... Dembélé has to start, given the fact that he was so expensive in the summer. But the question, if you take Paulinho out, for example, then you're taking a lot of defensive uh, prowess and sort of stamina and strength and control out of the team that has taken you to be unbeaten in La Liga. So um, I would really be interested to see what Valverde chooses to do. 
but having a creative player of his youth, of his potential going back to the team can never be a problem. But I think it probably is this time round, and that is a great problem to have. Well, due to Christian Pulisic, I can tell you, Francis, that I did watch a, a quite a bit of Borussia Dortmund last season when Dembele was playing with them. And when they were managed by Thomas Tuchel, I can also tell you that while Dembele, you would never pin him as this defensive specialist. You would never say his defensive work rate is through the roof. But to play for that Borussia Dortmund-Thomas Tuchel side, he did have to backtrack and he did have to make sure that opponents were aware that he would bring that extra help on the wings because that's what the wingers for Dortmund under Tuchel were expected to do. So I think he's willing to do a job, and Valverde has shown that he's a guy that makes players do their job. And if you don't, such as a Gerard Delafeu, if you don't do your job, you're out of the squad and you'll find a place on the bench. And so I think that gives a lot of bright sides to Dembele. And Francis, you actually had a chance as we skip La Bolsa this week to break down this Usmane Dembele return a little bit more with our interview or La Entrevista this week, where you spoke to Diana Cristina, and we'll head to that interview now. Right, I am delighted to say that I am joined by the one and only Diana Christine, one of the most influential voices of Barca on Twitter, and someone I have followed and admired for many, many years. Um, Diana, welcome to the Barcelona podcast. We're very excited to have you. Thank you for talking to us today. Uh, I'm very glad to be here. I would like to say hello to all your listeners and just say that I'm very honored to be asked to join you for this interview when, you know, I'm just a regular fan and uh, I'm really excited to do this. And I would say that is very kind, but I think you're being a bit humbled. You're not just a regular fan. You're one of the most influential voices uh, in social media for Barca. And again, it's a pleasure to have you. So um, let's just basically go into why you support Barca because my understanding is that you live in Romania and that you got your heart is set on Liverpool as well. So where does all of these Barca interests come from? Well, my interest in football started uh, when I was a kid at home because uh, my dad and my uncle were football fanatics and basically we watched uh, football all the time during the weekends when it was on. And... Um, when I was about uh, 11 or, or 12, I kind of uh, started having a crush on Kluivert, and that's nice. where the Barca thing started. So, yeah, after that came, you know, actually enjoying uh, how Barca played and seeing uh, Rivaldo and then Ronaldinho came, and by the time Kluivert left, I was already hooked on Barca and I haven't been able to shake it off since. Nice. Well, I can't say that's the same reason why I like Barca, <laughs> <laughs> but I can really see, I can really see why. Um, so talking about Kloiver then, do you think he would fit in Barca right now? I think it would be an interesting addition. I think that he, I don't know, I haven't followed his career as a sporting director as closely, but I I know that the people at PSG weren't exactly happy with his work, but I think that he did okay. I mean, as far as I know, they brought in Draxler when he was there, but maybe they wanted something more and he didn't have the right connection. I really couldn't tell you what happened there. Fair enough. So um, if you had Kloiver at his peak and Luis Suarez at his peak, who would be your starter? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I think... I think looking back at it now, uh, Clivert was maybe a bit more frustrating. I mean, Suarez is frustrating in his in his own way, but 
<laughs> but uh, for the amount of goals that he scored in, in just three years that he's been here, I think that uh, he's still done amazing. I mean, we create a bunch of ch- chances and he doesn't score all of them, but he does score a lot of goals. So, yeah. I compare Suarez to like a clumsy duck sometimes. He's someone who's, <laughs> who's capable of the most impossible, um, inverosibles goals that there ever was. But then he just turns around and misses the clearest chance on, on earth. But um, I think that's why we love him in a bit. Um, so Yeah, I, I sometimes think that the perfect Suarez goal is is something that looks completely, where he looks completely unbalanced. He trips over the ball, but somehow he still en- ends up scoring. Absolutely. That's, that's like a perfect definition of, definition of him. Absolutely, and I think that's what he does most of the time, particularly this season. So, um, obviously, Suarez has surpassed at Liverpool, which is your the club closest to your heart, my understanding is. And there's another one player that basically everyone's talking about in world football, and definitely lots of people trying to get him and lure him into the Catalan capital. I'm talking about Philippe Coutinho. Now, as a Liverpool fan, do you think that what was your thought about the whole situation right now? Yeah, so this obviously has been a very frustrating time for me as both a Barca fan and a Liverpool fan. And when it started in the summer, I just wanted to ignore everything. But at the same time, I was very aware of the fact that Liverpool's management couldn't afford to sell him. So I was, let's say, like 95% sure that the move would not happen last summer. So... Every time I heard people talking about it in regards to Barca, I was, no, this isn't going to happen, so I'm not going to talk about it. So is the situation different now? uh, I don't know if the situation is really different or if they're taking a different approach to it so that Coutinho would not get so upset with them. I mean, they might... Uh, try something like okay so we're being more open now we're not saying no from the start but let's see what offer Barca has and if it uh, reaches our expectation like they could have maybe talked to him and said look we're not selling you for a figure below 150 million pounds okay so do you think Liverpool could do without him now then I think that right now, in the winter window, the transfer wouldn't make a lot of sense for for any of the three parties involved. For Barca, he would just play the league and the cup, and by the time he gets settled, the cup is basically already over, because by Mm -hmm. mid-February, the cup run is over. And um, the league... We have a pretty sizable lead and I think it's a pretty comfortable one too. So I don't think we need a 100 plus million player for the league right now. And he can play in the Champions League this season. So I don't see why this is an urgent matter for Barca that they absolutely 100% need right now. For Liverpool, it would be bad because they would lose a very important player and in my opinion regardless of the fact that Salah has scored a lot this season and that other players are also important, but he is, qualitatively speaking, still their best player. And they're in a very close top four race for qualifying in the Champions League next season. They have a good chance of making the quarterfinals of the Champions League this season in their tie against Porto, and maybe then, depending on the draw, even going further, because right now with the buying Van Dijk, they're actually a very good team all around. So 
So it would probably affect their chances at qualifying for the Champions League next season. It would affect their chances in the for making a good run in the Champions League this season. I, I don't know how this makes sense for either of the clubs. And for him, making such a huge move six months before a World Cup in which Brazil has a huge chance to win it, because in my mm. opinion, they're favorites. It just seems like, why would you uproot your life before such a major event? And I think right now, the best thing, just so everybody settles this and we don't have to hear about it 24-7 for the rest of the year, yes. <laughs> the best thing to do is to say, okay, this is the transfer figure. This will be your salary. This is all settled and the move will happen on July 1st. Um, changing gears a little bit then, we sort of mentioned Dembele in passing. Um, there was fantastic news coming out of the Camp Nou yesterday saying that he's back, you know, and arguably, and I've been looking and reading and listening to different Catalan media, radio and, and different outlets. And he's been he's been fit for a while. Um, the Catalunya Radio uh, Club de la Mitjanit program was saying last midnight, because the program is really night, late at night, um, they were yeah, saying yeah, yeah. that he's been pretty much fit since the 20th of December and that he could actually have made it to the Bernabeu, but obviously Barca have been a bit cautious. So do you think that his return should be treated as a new sign-in? Do you think he should be thrown into the team straight away? Be patient with him? What are your views on Dembele? I think that uh, the road that Valverde has taken with his recovery has been the best option. When he moved last summer, there was a lot of pressure on him because we have to remember the fact that he's the most expensive player th this club has ever bought. That Sorry. is a tag that he has on him. And he was coming after Neymar left, so there was a kind of pressure that, I don't know if he imposed on himself, but there was talk about him replacing Neymar, even though that's insane. But, you know, there's always talk like this. So there was a huge amount of pressure on him after he made his move. And it was really unfortunate that he got injured because I was really feeling like he was starting to maybe, you know, shake off those nerves from the start and get into his groove. But of course, he only played like three games and then, then he got injured and we barely managed to see anything from him. So right now, I think that the road of being more cautious and taking the long-term approach, playing a few minutes, uh, I don't know, maybe even tomorrow, uh, then like 20 minutes on Sunday against Levante and so on and so forth, going bit by bit because you don't want to put pressure on him right away okay, so again. What, what would you say, and that makes perfect sense, I agree with you, um, what would you say to those people that are looking at Neymar 2.0 coming back? So they've got Dembele with the number 11 Neymar tag all over him and they seem to be thinking that, you know, we've got Neymar back in the team. What would you say to those people? In my opinion, players can't be other players. I mean, in, in first place, uh, Dembele is a 20-year-old player. Neymar is right now the second best player in the world. He has a talent that we developed here and then he dumped us, but that's Sorry. another story. Exactly. <laughs> okay, uh, so he he grew a lot in the four years that he was here. So you can't expect a 20-year-old kid to be the same as a 25-year-old Neymar. And in general, you can't expect players to be someone they're not. I think that a lot of the problems that come from analysis of players come from what we want them to be and the things that we want them to do 
and not analyzing who they actually are or what their characteristics are. So many, many players that, uh, many players are analyzed through what they're not more than through what they are. Absolutely. So I don't think that we should at any point consider Dembele to have anything to do with Neymar. He, Neymar left. This is a whole new story, a whole new kid. He will bring dribbling and creativity. And uh, I don't know, I never find the word in English for, for this. Profundidad. Yeah, that is depth. Yeah. But, you know, I, I don't think it has like the same meaning, you know, like with the runs, with the incisive runs uh, behind the opponent's line. And um, yeah, he will bring that and speed. And these are all things that the team is really needing right now because when we start a counter, it's like watching old ladies cross the street. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's all like, oh, come on, can we move the ball already? So yeah he will get the ball there faster. Okay, so... So I'm I'm excited to see him, but I expect him to be himself and not anybody else. Okay, so do you think that we should have done more, Barca as a club and definitely the board, should have done more to keep Neymar then? I think that once a player decides to leave, I don't even want them anymore. So not even in... say, Say he hadn't left... And he was still with us. Say, say, rewind back to say June or even May. Um, oh, I was completely, I was completely fine with him in June and May until the mid, the until mid July when the rumors started coming out. And even that, at first, I didn't buy it until I saw. I think the first time I actually realized this might happen, I saw a journalist from Catalonia Radio. I, um, I think his name is Javier Borda. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he said something like right before the club, uh, the team left on the U.S. trip, he ha- said something. Yeah, now now it's time to go on the U.S. tour and and make some money, and then when they come back, it will be time to make some more money. So, do you think the board should have done more to keep him then? Because obviously Neymar, as you said, second best player in the world, uh, seemed to be fantastically happy here learning alongside Messi and obviously in due time he would have been the heir apparent to our lovely incredible number 10 do you think the board should have done something differently do you think that he was always going to leave what are your thoughts on that uh I think that I don't know I for a long time I disputed the argument that everyone was making about him needing to be the star player and I thought that his relationship with Messi and everything was going to work out just fine and that, you know, nothing was going to hurt this. I was really in my own very happy universe (laughs) that I was not going to let anyone bother with their stupid nonsense. But, you know, after, after he left and everything, I, I was thinking, you know, when they were saying that uh, the players were trying to talk him into staying and every time I, I was imagining conversations he might have had with uh, Leo, mm-hmm. in my head, there was only one question that Neymar could have asked uh, Messi. How did you feel when Ronaldinho left? Exactly. That's a good thing. I never thought about it like that. That makes perfect sense because obviously when Ronaldinho did leave, he had already done a lot of mentoring for Messi and then... Um, the Argentinian star decided to step up and become the best player ever, as he obviously currently is. 
So, um, and that was his team. And from that moment on, Barca became his team. So I do understand why a 25-year-old Neymar could, would want to have his own team because he's coming into his prime. And let's not forget that Messi has like four more years ahead of him. What I am bothered by is not the fact that he, he left because on a completely rational level, I can detach myself from all my attachment to the club and understand that he wants to be the main player at the, at the club. He basically got all the money you could ever ask for from Qatar mm -hmm. and all that jazz. And okay, I'm completely fine with that. I can understand that on a rational level. But what I have a problem with is the fact that he literally before this summer, every time he talked about it, he said that he was happy. He said that he didn't want to think about being the best player in the world. He didn't want to think about, you know, all that stuff that, you know, in my mind, I now realize that it, it was all, all PR talk and that he is a perfectly trained PR player that has done this kind of sh stuff since he was 17 and 18. And he is, everything he says in public is, you know, like, carefully planned and stuff. Absolutely. My brother used to play but, for Barca when he was little. And um, when he was teammates with Andres Iniesta and players like Troiteiro and, and Andreu and several players that they really, they went on to have a professional career. And Iniesta and Jorge particularly, they were two players who lived in La Masia at the time. They were having PR sessions from age 11. Um, I remember Andres signed his first Nike contract. I I believe it's when he was 11, as soon as he joined us from Albacete. And that goes to show now in the recent La Liga promises um, that was shown in Canal Plus that uh, Infantil B went on to win. And we're very proud of them for doing that. Every time that the young players from Barca spoke, it's like you're talking to a 45-year-old um, professor. You know, they know exactly what to say. And that is down to teaching and learning and, and lots of hours behind the scenes. So moving forward to um, a happier place, uh, I want to ask you, this is a question we always ask our guests, but um, I think it's very telling as to what sort of football lover you are. So who is your favorite Barca player other than Messi? Yeah, so even if you include Messi, my favorite Barca player is Piquet. <laughs> uh, and uh, this comes from basically when we signed him from united he's always been my favorite since 2008 i like his character i like the way that he plays i like the fact that he's extremely intelligent very competitive he's not afraid to speak his mind i just like him as a person not not just as a player and i i think that he is completely devoted to the club and that he is basically one of the best ambassadors we could have. Of course, he sometimes takes everything over the top, but that's just part of his character and part of who he is. And I would, I absolutely love everything about it. Yeah, same here. I think that particularly in the last three, four years, um, he's stepped up as someone who defends the club, um, regardless of where he is, and he doesn't hide his feelings away. And um, yeah, we're really, really proud of him, obviously. Piquet President um, is <laughs> something that the Camino chants really regularly. So would you say then that given everything that he does for the club, Piquet should resign from the Spanish national team? Uh, because he did that, then he came back and, you know, we've got a walk around the corner. So what are your thoughts on that? 
I think that he said that after the World Cup in the summer, he was going to retire from the national team. And I'm really happy that uh, he is doing this on his own terms because I felt bad for Xavi, for example, after the World Cup in 2014, because I know that in 2012, after they won the Euro for the second time, he wanted to retire and Del Bosque convinced him not to. And if Xavi had retired from the national team in 2012 like he wanted to, he would have gone out after what was arguably the best performance in a final that he could have had. Mm -hmm. That and that was a perfect ending. That would have been a perfect ending for him. So I like the fact that Piquet will go out on his own terms because, you know, he will be 31 in the summer. And uh, yeah, sure, he could have played for another Euro, but he's already won it. And the idea of having to spend another two years having the fans of the national team whistling at him and swearing at him and doing all kinds of stuff when he's with the national team. I think that he's taking a lot. He has taken a lot of abuse and most of the abuse has not been for his stance on Catalonia's right to decide, but has been because of the fact that he is a rabid anti-Madridista and in Spain that's Saying that you're against Madrid is basically like saying you're against the national team because of the profound identification that is between Madrid and the national team. Absolutely. So do you think he's going to walk away with the World Cup under his belt then? I think that he might. I mean, in the, you know, the like draws we made and the, with the paths to the final and stuff. My final, I think, is Brazil-Spain. So, so that so, would be an interesting final. So no Argentina in the final? Well, Argentina would have to play Spain in the quarterfinals, and I don't think they can knock <laughs> them out. How do you know it's the quarterfinals? Don't tell me that you've already done the draw. Uh, I did, you know, when they drew the groups and yeah. stuff, and they had the path to the final, I kind of analyzed how the groups would end up and what teams would, you know, obviously this would, this depends on everything happening as I predicted, which almost never happens. No, but, no, you know. No, we think do teams, it won't. Exactly, exactly. I mean, there would be dark horses and play, teams that will not make it out of the group, even though everybody expects them to, because that's what always happens. But yeah, I see them potentially making it to the final. And I think they have a really good team. I, I've been very impressed with how Lopetegui has managed to remake the team after the disappointment of the last Euros. And um, yeah, I think they really have a good chance of winning it again. I think they really do as well. With Lopetegui, what you get is a coach who's trusted the players that he trusted at youth level. Because you've got Isco and you've got players like Thiago sort of making an impact and progressively I, do, I would expect both of them to be starting. Obviously someone like Asensio would be a um, second half sort of solution for them and I definitely expect Piquet to be starting, Busquets, Iniesta and then let's see what else, what else he does. Um, Diana, that's all the time we've got for today. I am okay. so happy that our connection worked because listeners, this is the second interview we record with Diana. We had a bit of a problem yesterday, which is why your podcast is coming to you a, a day later. But um, yeah, Diana, delighted. Where can our listeners follow your work online? 
Uh, I don't do a lot of writing, so anything I do, I will eventually link on my uh, Twitter account. So if you just follow me on Twitter, everything will be there. Excellent. And uh, for those who are not on Twitter yet, if you go to our show notes, Diana's address is at Diana Christine with double N, I believe. Um, yeah. So please check our show notes and make sure that you follow her online because if you don't, you are missing out. Diana, muchas gracias. De nada. Wonderful and particularly opinionated stuff, Frances. She definitely brings a fire that I don't know if I can bring week in and week out. But again, thank you for that interview from Diana. And now we'll try to see if we can get some of that fire going in La Ronda this week. And to start La Ronda, I've got a surprise for you, Frances, this week. Okay. Well, what was the surprise? Well, the surprise was going to be we're switching the format for those looking for La Tabla. We've now moved it to La Ronda, where we're going to ask the question every week very quickly, how did Barca B and the Barca Femini do? And the answer to this week is they didn't do anything. They haven't played yet. They played this upcoming weekend. So we'll have that back next week as they've started practicing. But to the start La Ronda, the surprise is I have my very own question for you, Frances. And it's regard to something that we've tweeted. And my question is, how cool are the potential jerseys for next season? Because when I saw it, and you can look it on, on our Twitter, on our Instagram, of course, the Barcelona podcast. Frances has that locked down on both Instagram and Twitter. You can get at me at HiltonD13 with your opinion as, of that as well. But what they basically, for me, I wish there was a little more yellow in them. But I do really like it's a clean design. It's it's not wavy. It doesn't have any of that blended material from a few years ago either. And the thin stripes, they do remind me of the 2005-2006 home shirt with Ronaldinho dazzling and buzzling around and winning the Champions League back in 2006. And so that's kind of where it reminds me of. And they're a little darker, though, too. They've got a little, they're not black, but they have a little bit of menace in, in the, the shorts and the socks as well. So I like them. I wasn't expecting this question. Um Honestly, Dan, the, the top looks like a pyjama top to me. Um, I'm really sorry. Um, it is nice because it's Barca, it's Barca colors, and it has the Barca logo in it, and that's, you know, that's very close to my heart. But I think Barca should just be thick stripes. Uh, the top we had last season was absolutely gorgeous. It was a remake of the 1992 um, jersey that made us win in, in Wembley um, with the Kuman goal. Obviously, we were wearing orange that day, but it was that very same season with the Maba trademark on it and I think that that is what Barca's jersey should look like all of these tequila sunrise neon nonsense that they tend to do and you know Nike would make a lot of money out of it um, in terms of the first jersey it's, it's a Barca top I'm always gonna like it but it's not one of my favorites I do say I like the dark shorts and the dark socks though um, but yeah sorry that the answer is disappointing that's okay. I didn't say I was going to buy it. I just said I wasn't disappointed with it. I said it was good enough, but I agree. It's I, I'm, I'm always disappointed by the, the neon stuff like that. Yeah, I, I don't like that either. But all right, let's pick up the space and actually answer some listener questions. So Hale starts by asking, why do you think Barcelona aren't going for a guy like Renato Sanchez, who's currently on loan from Bayern Munich at Swansea City? He also mentions Lucas Lima being a good option for January. And my answer, it depends on price. Lucas Lima... of Santos, I think there's a reason that he hasn't ever come over and now he's in his mid-20s and why haven't clubs pushed for him harder other than just the big price tag? So there might be a reason why the board hasn't brought him over yet. So I would say that the board should be conscious of bringing just automatic starters, people that can make a difference from the start and it doesn't look like the two players mentioned in the question would be able to do that. 
Um, I really do think that that has to be the policy moving forward. And as we mentioned earlier in the show, the main priority needs to be offloading players that actually don't play. Pedro asked, what seems to be the holdup in re-signing the young, promising center defensive midfielder Oriol Busquets as his contract expires next summer? I don't actually know what the holdup is, but definitely Oriol Busquets has shown that he is a player that should be trusted. He has been performing very well for Barca B when he got promoted for that one cup game for the first team. He was actually quite impressive as well. So I actually don't know what the holdup is. Um, and I really do hope the ball sorted out soon because he should be a priority. I do know Real Madrid are after him as well. So the sooner the better to sign our youngster back. Daiwat asked, who would you sign to replace Mascherano? As we said in the podcast last week, I would sign nobody. I would say give Costas a chance. Um, you've got Piquet and Umtiti when he's back, which obviously should be fairly soon now. Um, as starters, you've got Fermalen who has been very good in, in the absence and when he's been needed. And I would say if you're going to need a fourth centre-back, if Mascherano does leave, it could very well be the one for Barca B because that would send a very positive message to um, all the youngsters in La Masia that when there is a need in the first team, you will be trusted. And I think that can only be a positive. And I think if it is anybody, it's going to be Yurimina. Sometimes when there's smoke, there's fire. And I think in this case, we've been hearing about this player now for almost two seasons in the off-seasons about when is his when is he finally going to come over to Barcelona? And they got the first option on him even two years ago. So I think this is a case where for all the Coutinho, Hubla, Mina is actually the more likely January transfer for Barcelona. Tharun asks, do you think the current Man City is better than Pep's Barcelona? How would the current Man City be if they had Messi in it? Obviously, they'd be better because they'd have Messi in the squad. But I say no on that, Francis. I don't think that this current Man City team, they are very, very, very good. But I don't think they're at that level just, just yet. Absolutely. I think give them three, four years time and see how many titles they win and see if they can equal the 14 out of 19 titles that Guardiola won. Um, I'm not saying they're not a great team. They obviously are one of the most exciting, if not the most exciting team in Europe right now. Favourites to win the Champions League, regardless of what Guardiola actually wants to say. But come to me in four or five years and then we'll discuss that again. All right, super speed now in La Ronda. James Coulet listed on our Twitter a number of different expenses that he would expect players to be offloaded for and who he's going to replace them with. The idea is decreasing wages and youth promotion. Now, I'll respond to the James Coulet tweet, which, again, you can go to our Twitter to see that. And I would say it's the same thing that it takes a lot of confidence in this board to expect that you're going to sell off what is nine players for 210 million euro. It's a difficult task, but what you can expect is if nobody comes in, that youth should be promoted a little more. Again, it's not, it doesn't make the news about who comes into Barcelona B, but watch some of the players that might come into Barcelona B during the January window, and if they can straighten their season out, you might see a few more youth get promoted, because again, them in a relegation battle means that Elena is needed elsewhere. We head to Facebook with Matthew Lazardi, who always gave us good feedback at the start of our show when we were in our infancy, so we're happy to hear from Matthew again. He asked, can you guys mention which websites you frequent for stats and things like that? We mentioned some of them, but he said he'd like to find some good sources for that kind of info. Oh, there are many. Um, My favorite is whoscored.com because it tracks the different competitions um, in different layers. 
So you've got La Copa, you've got La Liga, Champions League. Also, you've got players on international duty, if they're internationals. So whoscore.com, for me, is the most comprehensive um, website, stat website there is. Now, I also get a lot of stats from the official fcbarcelona.com website. Um, if you head to, I think it's called staff for some reason, and then you've got all the different players in there. They are quite specific stats as well. Beyond that, um, all the websites that I do use are in, in Catalan. I think willobarsa.com, so willobar.com, in this case it would be .cat, because it's a Catalan version, is fairly good. But I think who scored on the stbarcelona.com website should do the job. And for me, I say for transfer stuff, and exact numbers and fees and things like that, I use uh, Transfermarkt, uh, which is a German website, but obviously it's in English as well. And for the Barcelona Femini and some of the Barca B stuff, I use, it's called Soccerway, and it's, or women.soccerway. So those are the two websites that I would throw out there. And again, Frances and I don't want to give away all of our tricks, but those are just some of the websites we use to keep up. Finally, on Instagram, Majdina Srala asked, who can be the long-term replacement for Busquets and Rakitic in our opinion? Are there any prospects in the youth system or should the team be looking to need to buy someone else? All of our starting midfielders are older than the Real Madrid midfielders with the exception of Modric. Well, the one thing I would say, as much as Frances and I lamented all the youth that Madrid had brought in, whether it was Asenio a year ago or Ceballos or Marcos Llorente. Well, Llorente and Ceballos are not featuring at all for Zidane. So we wonder how the projection of their careers is going to work if they don't get any time in that midfield. So again, it's the grass is always greener sometimes. The question would be, until proven otherwise, put some of your faith in Elena, put some of your faith in Oral Busquets. Those are two of the big names. And then farther down the pipeline, you never know who turns out. Again, we're hearing players already like uh, Puig and things like that where it's too early with teenagers, but definitely Elena would be the name that we expect should be breaking into the team next. Sure, and I would also add the fact that, in my eyes, Busquets is one of those irreplaceable players that we're always going to miss once they leave. I think it's in the same category as Puyol, Xavi and Iniesta in terms of what he brings. Uh, there hasn't really been a player like him before. I think he's got elements of Guardiola to his, to his game, uh, elements of Xavi. I think he's got some of the understanding of Iniesta as well, obviously minus the dribbling um, and the capacity to unbalance from the sides because that's not what Busquets does. But I, I would honestly say Busquets is currently irreplaceable. So all we have to do is to settle for players that are not as great as he is. So let's enjoy him while he's here. I think Busquets has deservedly and already become a Barca legend and we should be counting our lucky stars. Well, the other ones that are irreplaceable are, of course, our listeners. So thanks again for listening to another edition of the Barcelona Podcast and sticking with us to the end. Again, you can hit us up on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, all across the social media, along with going to our website, thebarcelonapodcast.com, where you can see this podcast. Again, if you already have it in your ears, but you can also share it with other people in your life who might not have iTunes, who might not have Google Play, and you can get them on Spotify, anywhere you can listen to the podcast. Leave us a nice five-star review and help the show keep going. And also, a special thank you at the end of this to our Patreons. You can help us out that way as well, and we appreciate that. Again, thanks for listening to the hottest breaking stories coming out of the Camp New. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon in Forza Barca. Forza Barca and Happy New Year. Sick of being upsold at gyms? 
my guy. You're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.